Isla, do you want to start with your, <laughs> what you saw earlier today? Yeah. Uh, so today I was walking down Whitechapel High Street and I saw a middle-aged guy in cargo sh- shorts rollerblading while drinking a can of Stella. And I think that man is my new hero, you know? He's exercising, he's keeping hydrated. One of the <laughs> undersold elements of Stella is that it contains a lot of electrolytes. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good sports beer. <laughs> it's a classic sports beer. I once genuinely uh, was paid while I was at university to go to the end of the Cambridge Half Marathon and hand out pints of alcohol-free beer as a recovery beverage. <laughs> and, there were, and there were all these like middle-aged dudes coming over the finish line who were coming up to me and like doing this like shit banter being like, hey, don't tell the wife. And I'm like, it's literally non-alcoholic. Like, this, yeah, why would I tell your wife? I don't know your wife. I don't know you. Interestingly, all of those people are now popular food writers in the UK. Whoa. Foreshadowing. Hello and welcome again to your free TF, the first one we're recording in the new year, uh, I think. uh, Yeah, it is. It is. It's our first one of two two YOLO uh, 19. Almost almost got the year wrong. Good start. (laughs) Hey, hey, you know what? I think we have to leave prejudice uh, and sexism like that in the past year because, guys, it's 20 freaking 15, okay? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Justin Trudeau has just come to power. (laughs) Remember then? Sadie. (laughs) Remember Remember 2015? Oh, good days. Yeah. Good I, days. I, I think I was still in university in one of yeah. my many degrees. Depends when in 2015. Yeah. I don't think I was even on Twitter. I, no, I was, I was, but I wasn't posting that much. Okay. I think Sorry yeah. by Justin Bieber came out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's right. Hot mm. track. Oh, yeah, it's a really hot track. That's what, that's what got Jonathan into Twitter. That's <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what it was. It was actually David Cameron. It was the fucking a pig that got oh, me back on Twitter. Oh, yeah, that was, was a that good one. Fi- was that 2015? 2016? Uh, that was oh. 20, uh, mm, 20. I think it was late 2015. I think it was like autumn 2015. Yeah. yeah. That and actually is what got me into the dark web because I was looking for the pictures. <laughs> uh, well, so you've yeah. seen all the other porn, so you have to jack it to David Cameron fucking a pig's head. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, that's I don't make the rules. I'm a complete. It was an homage to Steve Irwin. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I love the, my favorite thing on the show is when we reference the stuff we were talking about before. Oh. Shall we just also do Australian Batman? No. Well? Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, Never do Australian Batman. <laughs> Australian Batman stays as a room joke. If you want to know more about it, at Alex Keeley. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so hello, everyone. Again, free TF this week. I'm Riley. You may remember me from every other episode of this podcast. Also with us is Milo. Hi, it's me, your boy. Uh, I'm still recovering from seeing a man rollerblading drinking a pint of Stella. Good day to you. A pint? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it was a pint can. Okay. I yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you so thought cool. you tripped me up there, but well, I was ready for it. <laughs> I was man to it. We got Olga. I'm Olga. I'm at Rock and Roll Guy. I'm the girl you made out with in a club, and then I left gum in your hair. <laughs> <laughs> Separate incident. <laughs> Fifteen dudes listening right now are like, "What? What? <laughs> Someone call Australian Batman. He needs to help catch what? this criminal. I need to wash my hair." <laughs> <laughs> and we also uh, joining us have Jonathan Nunn of Eater Magazine. How do you do, man? Good, and second food writer to be on this podcast as well. Actually, after, yeah. After Jay. Oh, I only do food writer episodes, actually. <laughs> R.I.P. Daddy. I remember like tweeting about, I said, I'm going to 
the Jay Rayner episode of Trash Future sounds great. I'm going to watch it. And then someone just commented, don't. <laughs> it's the best. It's the don't best podcast it. I ever listened to it. I ended up listening to it this morning. And I, yeah. Coffee, Coffee enemas. <laughs> raw water enemas. Mm. Um, enemas. All food is enema. Yeah. Yes. Realistically. That's, that's, how, that's what Blink I call it. Blink 182's Coffee Enema of the State. Who could forget? <laughs> Wait. Who says Blink 182? It's Blink, Blink 182. 182. I say Blink 182. Yeah, it's Britain. Uh, yeah. This is like how you guys say Nike for the shoes. No, we say Nike. No, a lot of you guys say no, Nike. No, but that's only people... That's not... Don't judge us by that. Well, that's Rainer, like British rednecks say that, because they don't understand... Yeah. Jay Rayner is a food critic to you. To me, he's a cryptocurrency mogul. Yes. I forgot Jay Rayner sitting in front of like five or six different monitors, sort of yeah. high-frequency <laughs> trading his like 400 pounds worth of Ethereum that is probably worth like 20 quid now. Eight screens. <laughs> he comes in on the soft opening and he's talking about Ethereum. And I was like, who is this? Like, <laughs> like Riley sounds different today. It's like, it's like Jay Rayner, like cryptocurrency expert. Showing the world another side of Jay Rayner. Absolutely. Um, you thought he was just a jazz musician. That was the purpose of my Tumblr for a while. <laughs> but then I ran out of the pictures. Got a great t-shirt. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, my, my t-shirt actually says five, five, five. sex, drugs, and raw water enemas on it. Available from Little Comrades. Oh, indeed. Oh, we're doing the plug at the start now. Well, I mean, it just it came up, so, yeah. you know. Did you do Real Water Enemas on any other episode? Or was that just the Jay Rayner episode? Uh, it comes up a lot. Oh, okay. I think, it, uh, yeah. I think we have, it was mainly on that episode, though. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, so, one of the reasons that we're uh, doing. Well, now we've established that. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on. One of the reasons we're doing um, another food, food writer episode. You thought we were just going to have the one. No, it's two. Um, is that Jonathan is, in addition to being a, a sort of an, an excellent writer on food, is also an expert. On Britain's weirdest food critic. Uh, Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about Giles Corrin? I like that I'm now like a Giles Corrin expert. I only get invited onto podcasts to talk about the <laughs> thing of Giles I want to talk to you about Eater and food. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get on to that. Eater was responsible you... for two incredible Toronto meals for me this week, so thank you very much. I had no responsibility for okay. that at all. It also all. sounds like a porn genre, which <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy. <laughs> but yeah, the last podcast I was on, it was... The other Giles Corrin thread, which I did in nah. November, uh, that they wanted to talk about. Funnily enough, they're an anti Jay Rayner podcast, and we're right. on a, this is a Friends of Jay Rayner podcast. He's more of a father figure to us. Mm. How did yeah. you get him on? Um, <laughs> I called him an idiot in the Uba Butler episode, <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, I have no animus against him, but then he listened to it, and so I was like, hey man, I'm sorry I called you an idiot, and he was like, yeah, I'll just come on. I was like, all right. But also- I think I, so I, I negged him into coming on. Jay Rayner listens to Trash Future. Yeah. Hi, Jay. That's, that's <laughs> untrue. That's, that's probably libel, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so also this is <laughs> these opinions are not established by Jay Rayner. <laughs> I am um, I, I'm interested also to introduce our American audience to Giles Corrin, perhaps the single the the single most Giles Corrin person in history. It's, yeah, he's a difficult one to describe. I was writing an article <laughs> recently about I've kind of got this running thing called. Um, it's sort of a year in racism in the British food media. Okay. Um, and I realized that it, was, it started in July and it was going to be about one specific thing. And then like something else happened and then something else would happen. And then I realized I had to just make it a live blog of <laughs> racism. <laughs> <laughs> it's now this like sprawling 
um, article about like six, seven thousand words about <laughs> racism. But yeah, in it, I saw like I talked about um, I talked about the American food writing scene and how mm. it's just like so much better. And um, anyway, the article was sent to America to be uh, looked over by the American eater editors, mm-hmm. and that was like the one bit they all honed in on and said like, no, the American writing scene is like tons of things need to be fixed there's like tons of racism going on and i just want to be like guys like we have giles corin here the the like one of the major food critics is like the literal son of like our future queen Um, (laughs) so like and yeah i think i said like last week like four of the like four of the six uh national food critics have more famous fathers or mothers than them which like, says quite a lot about so, what so food writing is in food writing in britain is what starting a fancy hawaiian shirt company is in america <laughs> <laughs> food food writing in britain is basically what you do if you're if, or national food writing in britain is what you do if you're basically like really lazy but really hungry and you're kind of a dumbass it seems and also, like Michael Winner was like the national critic yeah. for like quite a long time. Classic. Like, did you, I was going to ask actually, are you specifically a Giles Corrin expert, or are you just the most popular food critic expert? So you had to be a Michael Winner expert, and then when he <laughs> died, you're like, now I have to be a Giles Corrin expert. Who's your famous dad? Um, I don't have a famous dad, but I do have a famous grandmother. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Who um was? I heard this lady called the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> No, she, she's my only my, she's biolo- queen. You know, my bio- biological grandmother, um, who I didn't really know that well because she didn't raise my father. But um, I mean, listeners over a certain age will know who she. I mean, Jay Rayner will know who she is. Um, she ran a brothel Charles. in Streatham during the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it was Uber Butler's uh, fake brothel. <laughs> Jay, the, like the Jay Rayner fucked my grandma content is like a surprising revelation. <laughs> This is like the weird. This is like the ancestry.com podcast. <laughs> we all cry at the end. Right, so um, it was like this very like specifically like English kind of brothel where she okay. got caught because in the morning she had too many bottles of milk being delivered to her house. She was making tea for all the oh, <laughs> classic for all the spent I guests. Hate it when that happens. <laughs> that terrific in there. She's putting the milk in first. <laughs> so. So Giles Corrin is another one of these people with a very fancy parent, like most of the British national food critics. Um, and we, we sort of, there's an, a, a drama around this that unfolded recently where he also like, w- wrote a book he won a bad sex writing award for, where he described a woman's vagina as um, an enameled pepper shaker. One. And... Was that him? Sounds about right. I put my nose up to it and then I sneezed. (laughs) (laughs) The bit I remember is that his dick rattling against her teeth. (laughs) What is is his dick made of? (laughs) (laughs) I I, I have a fucking dick with wind chimes. (laughs) That rules. Giles Corrin's dick is like a sonic air. (laughs) Giles Corrin's dick is made by Dyson. It's actually hollow in the middle but generates quite a bit of thrust (laughs) right so okay so this is this is kind of who we're talking about here um and uh, i've got sort of a whole bunch of um i have a whole bunch of of extracts from some from reviews he's written that jonathan's been kind enough to send me and um also there has been this unfolding drama with him having his own sock puppet account named after a book for a character from one of his books 
Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I know he's pretty stupid, but I mean, this was like a surprise even for me to uncover that. But um, I think ever since that first thread, he's been like extremely rattled by the reaction to it. Um, cause it's like kind of the first. Would you say he was rattled as a dick rattles? Uh, yes, <laughs> rattled <laughs> like his dick. Um, because I think it was the first sort of criticism of him that really stuck. Um, mm -hmm. So he's been criticized with... before, but yeah. if you no, <laughs> I mean, there, there is like a literal thing on his Wikipedia which says like criticisms and controversy, which is, I mean, fair enough. If I would it's want that on my Wikipedia, women, it's like, and, and then his dick rattled. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was the kind of first thing that stuck because it was just a list of things that you can't really argue against when they're all put together in one sort of thread. So. Um, it's like 12 rules for life <laughs> 12, 12 rules for living life is Giles Corrin Number one, rattle against the teeth Number two uh, Number two, um, insult your own writing With your own sock puppet account So people believe you Number three, be careful with that car door Number four, remember to have fun and be yourself yeah. <laughs> So he didn't really address it Except to obliquely refer to it in articles And he, I think called Eater a uh, student a magazine run by white privileged people sort of erasing my identity in the process. <laughs> Charles Corrin's like, damn, all these white men in the media. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think that rattling made him do something which he probably wouldn't have normally done, which mm -hmm. would be to use this sock puppet account to address someone dragging him on Twitter. So the person who dragged him was a a chef actually called Tom Eagle who runs a great restaurant called Little Duck in Shoreditch. Okay. And I mean, Giles was sort of setting him up for the the line. I think he he was hosting a Radio 2 show and he mm. said, what topic do you want me to talk about? And Tom replied, how about institutional racism within the British food media? And then Giles said, okay, give me some examples. And then Tom said, I'm going to ruin it, but cause it was very well worded. But he said, well, how about let's start with the parody accounts that run the parody articles in the Times, uh, which run by a bilious racist. Mm -hmm. And then it got about like a thousand retweets. And then he responded to himself from another account telling Tom, oh, you like to pick on Jewish people, do you? And then started using um sort of like jewish slurs to sort of imply that the reason why tom attacked him was because he was a sort of anti-semite and not because giles is an idiot okay um the problem is, the... is like i like the way snarab thinks yes <laughs> quite literally i think the problem is that he didn't make any attempt to not make it sound like giles corin <laughs> so <laughs> so when it came What's up account called not giles not corin <laughs> Well, there is a part of this story, kind of. He's like, did those slurs rattle against your teeth as they came out? Like, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. <laughs> right, so he's, he's in this situation. He starts defending him. He starts defending himself with this character, with this account named after a character from his terrible book. Um, and when did it penny drop for you that this was him? The penny dropped immediately, though. Was him. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, as soon the as he was just lying on a flat surface. Because Tom... Tom's whole thread was um, something that I retweeted. So I was tagged into this thread at the time. 
And as soon as that came through, I was like, this is Giles Curran, but I can prove it. And so I just like looked at his followers and looked, I don't know, the first thing was I just looked to see like the history of the account and it was him defending his wife, (laughs) (laughs) who who also has written some terrible stuff as well. So that narrowed it down to Giles Curran or Giles Curran's wife. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What does she write? um, I think the most recent thing was... um, she was saying that she would be upset if her daughter didn't wear makeup um, when she grows up. To be and- fair, she was in clown college. <laughs> <laughs> this this whole thing happened because Giles Corrin, I think, is an ins like he's an insane solipsist. I think he's just someone who shouldn't be on Twitter. He's just like a very angry man, and Twitter is not his medium. <laughs> yes. um, he, like he like starts like making pedo threats against Michael White and... Oh, man, I remember oh, that one was really each other <laughs> And Elon Musk was like, did someone say pedophile? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the other tells that it was him, so look through followers. Mm-hmm. And this is like some random account with like 55 followers um, that has tweeted once and has replied to tweets maybe three times. And Richard Bacon is following it. Sarah Vine is following it. The actual Stephen Fry is following it. So <laughs> this is like already, for me, that is like proof. It was one tweet, but it was a very good tweet. <laughs> Up there with some of the best drill stuff. <laughs> and then, um, so I retweeted the, the tweet and said, um, so Giles Corrin has an alt account. And then someone DM'd me saying, oh, by the way, check out the name. It's from one of his books. And yeah. then someone else DM'd me who wanted to remain anonymous because I don't think they wanted it tied to their work. Um, DM'd me to say that they did like a password reset thing and that the email address that had come up was gi star 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 at t star 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 i suspiciously tallied in with giles.corin at the time it's incredible you know that's it's amazing that why i love giles corin so much is that he is the apotheosis of just pissed and dumb well, I, I also love that he's named this alt account that he wants to keep secret after a character from his book, which seems superficially dumb, but it's actually genius because Giles Corrin realizes that no one has read any of his books. What's the name of the character? Pavel Pilnik. Oh. Oh, good. Oh, good grief. Good grief. Um, so I want to get to some of these uh, excerpts here because they are... Now we've sort of done some table setting of just the madness of Giles Corrin, his willingness to like just routinely embarrass himself in public by getting into fights that he has, really hasn't thought through. Do you think he sexually gets off on it? The embarrassment? Mm. It's a theory. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's one theory. Dial in. So, <laughs> so please call. Press the button on your trash huge app now. <laughs> I mean, at the, one of his latest things, he's trying to pass it off as sort of the more you get upset at me the bigger my profile comes and he actually said He's the ben word Kenobi. Yeah. <laughs> he actually said the words like it's my passport to the big bucks oh yeah <laughs> so giles corin's a funded he's a facebook guy he's like he's talking about all the haters are giving him all this good attention and they're just jealous because like you're just like you're hating me all the way to the bank essentially i think he's an instagram guy actually i mean he 
his now moving to, I mean, I've noticed that he's been, um, he hasn't tweeted for about a week now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Giles, are you okay? He's, Text me, hon. <laughs> he's, um, he's moved over to Instagram because they're much nicer there. Mm. Um, but sometimes you get these stories where he's like sweaty and doing these rants to camera. And there was a really good one where he was ranting in this restaurant where he's like, like fucking how I'm in this restaurant and some prick at the next table is just like taking out their laptop and like doing their work. Like, and he's like, like on Instagram yeah. Live. Yeah. Get a load of this asshole. <laughs> hey, pal, maybe punch trying to eat over here. <laughs> so he makes like five or six videos about this saying like the state of this guy, like the state of like British restaurant diners in 2018 a heated dining moment <laughs> and then there's like the next video is like somber saying someone's just dm me and it turns out it's the chef of the restaurant just doing some work in the corner <laughs> oh my god he admits to it he admits oh, to that's it awesome no he's <laughs> to be fair like that's kind He's yes, like, yeah. sorry guys, my bad. <laughs> he has the most powerful brain. In this instance, I was wrong. But, in general, <laughs> but nevertheless, the as a rule of thumb, it stands. Um, so what this is from his review of the uh, Chinese restaurant Kaki. Um, when I phoned Kaki to see if one needed to book, the guy answered the phone in Chinese. Taka, 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 baka, taka, taka, he said. I mean, first of all, it's not an accurate <laughs> transliteration of Mandarin. Yeah. Giles, I think your phone line might be acting up. You might want to contact your service provider. <laughs> then he makes a story where he's like, okay, yeah, no, that was that was just my my phone line fucking out. But that doesn't mean... <laughs> yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that the Chinese aren't annoying with the way they talk, am I right? <laughs> I was on the phone line that sounds like a Chinese guy service. I didn't know. I don't know what kind of add-ons they put on your program. Um, and then... He, uh, that, he obviously follows that up with more uh, taka bakaing. Again, definitely not a good transliteration of Mandarin. Um, but and then just a review of the restaurant where he's like, "Yeah, it's pretty good." Oh, and there's also a bit just after that where he, he's like, "For those of you who think that might be racist, here's my impression of a British person." Flubber dubber 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 dubber, and that's his get out of jail free card for, oh, yeah. well, for his that. defense is that he can't understand <laughs> English sounds either. <laughs> yeah, my defense is actually that I'm technically too stupid to know what racism is. He's so smart that he only understands the written word. <laughs> um. And that's like, and that just it goes into re, into a review. Like the real, the really brilliant bits of Giles Corrin's articles are on the front and back of them, because then oh, in the middle of them they tend to just be food reviews, um, which you know I, you can criticize as a food reviewer. I don't really know it makes a good food review. Oh, uh, they're pretty bad as yeah. well. But Wait, it's mm. like, um, you know, have you seen this? Making the rounds, where it's like every recipe online starts with a completely unrelated thing, where it's like. I was walking down the street and thinking about 9-11 and it's like, <laughs> it was like an apple pie recipe. <laughs> Wait, Nate, you have to talk about the casserole. Do it. <laughs> yeah, so, um, well, we were, uh, I was cooking cooking dinner for, for Christmas and I was cooking this this stew that I found on the New York Times cooking site that involved uh, pommery mustard. It's like a French style beef stew, I guess. And we had joked as a as hyperbole, like that every recipe has to be about like, well, when the planes <laughs> hit the towers on 9-11, blah, blah, blah. And that's like the story at the start of the recipe. But literally that was the start of this recipe. It was like sooner in the aftermath of 9-11 attacks, this chef made this recipe and it became very popular in New York. And we're just like, but 
it was that same setup to a recipe. We, yeah. we <laughs> obviously like, you know, we, we felt we'd struck gold in a way. That's probably where I saw it. But I mean, but it is like a meme, right? Yeah, Authentic first responder casserole. <laughs> we need more recipe books like this. I think mm. ISIS cookbook. Oh yeah, hello. hello. Oh, I, I, well, <laughs> hang on. Let's let's pl- someone DM us that, please. Riley like visibly broke a sweat when the ISIS cookbook was mentioned. Like, how do you know about my secret projects? <laughs> no, it's, it's like, all like bomb recipes. It's like the anarchist cookbook, but for like a nice jambalaya. <laughs> awesome. Mm, yeah. Um. Thank you, Kanye. Very cool. So after after this um this this sort of weird transliteration of Chinese, uh. He then uh, wrote another another article where sort of responding to people calling him out about it. The I'm not mad article. Indeed. He wrote the best I'm not mad article where he did the ultimate Giles Corrin move. Uh, I'll read this. Uh, in these days, a witch hunt can start anywhere. A review of a Chinese restaurant in the Times, a couple of privileged white boy opportunists sniffing to take one, down one of the dinosaurs who stands in the way of their own ascension. And before you know it, there, there is police interest in national news pickup. <laughs> He's like one of those rare racists who also acknowledges white privilege. It's so crazy. Yeah. Oh, it gets it gets more. Um, <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm racist. Well, maybe you're racist. Everything about that. Mm. <laughs> so in the end, I decided to report myself for a hate crime to see what would happen. <laughs> This is why I think he gets off on this sexually. <laughs> oh, he's he's Marshall Mathersing this. He's like, yeah, well, now what you're going to say about me, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I sent myself to jail. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's he's he's so angry at people telling him like, don't be racist against the Chinese that he's willing to invent a bunch of white people <laughs> who are trying to take him down, and then he yeah. he tries to own them by trying to get himself arrested. Oh wait, and his position on everyone trying to take him down is well you went to Cranbrook that's a private school <laughs> I may have gone to Eton College <laughs> I feel like him phoning like the literal police to report himself is the ultimate like sir this is a Wendy's <laughs> I mean you're right there those restaurant reviews do start really far off <laughs> um Uh, I called the police to report myself for a hate crime I called the local police And here's a conversation that really happened The woman who answered the phone asked what the offense was I described the article She laughed and then said I really shouldn't laugh But it's a bit like Andy Warhol, isn't it? You know, in the future Everyone will be racist for 15 minutes I don't think Andy Warhol said that (laughs) Doesn't make sense It doesn't make any sense Are you just racist for a minute? You just you just like go into like a little chamber where you can shout all the slurs that you want, and, and you, then you come out and you're done for the day. And you Radio Four show sixty minutes of racism, where celebrities can come on and just be racist for an hour, and it's it's like a no holds barred safe space. It's like, it's like a no holds barred place where Australian Batman can just be Australian Batman. Yeah. It was ignores that he's had like consistent racism accusations against him. So this is not just like his fifteen minutes of racism. <laughs> And but then the most the amazing thing about the rest of this article is that it just sort of meanders into different territory. I took my daughter Kitty down to Westminster on Sunday to buy a poppy, listen to Big Ben, and think about the sacrifice of the men and women on all sides who died in the First World War and also other wars. 
Yeah. <laughs> Hi, police. I'd like to report myself for being racist. Uh, anyway, I have to go cry at this at the scene at Tav because I'm proud <laughs> because I'm proud of my history. Also, crucially, he conforms to the fact that in posh British families, all the all the women have animal names and all the animals have women names. <laughs> my daughter Kitty and my cat Jennifer. <laughs> um, and my poppy, poppy. Half asleep on my shoulder on the bus home Kitty played with her poppy and said to me Dad, if the 100th anniversary of Armistice Is such a big deal, just imagine what a fuss People will make on the thousandth Wow. <laughs> well, I'm really looking I forward mean, I think to the Kitty thousandth. Is suing for libel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the thousandth anniversary of the Battle of Hastings. It's going to be huge. Like, like pouring one out for my boys at the cenotaph. <laughs> like, did he wearing a mock arrow through my eye to remember the fallen? <laughs> I love, I love going down to remember, uh, remember our glorious fallen soldiers, and then just doing a big fat line of ketamine and writing an article. <laughs> Just barely staying awake, <laughs> just being like, "Yeah, fuck it, whatever." I'm gonna put in some stuff about yeah. the soldiers. People love that. 2066. I'm gonna be going up to people on the street, going, "Where's your fucking Bayo tapestry pin?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and the la- the the the, la- the last uh, little bit of this is really where the ult- the ultimate in Corin. I think no American writer gets that has this level of like a white knuckled grip on his own sanity. Uh, this is from his review. I, I, that's untrue, I think. But we'll no, no, gloss over this that. This is like, look, I think is it. I think Giles Corrin is like a John Padoret style figure. It's just he's mad at a lot more than like you know Schnippers. Mm, interesting. Um, We're currently building the Matrix of people who write things. I would also add that John Padoret, while being insane, has never threatened to fuck and then set on fire the 12 year old son of his neighbor who was playing, <laughs> playing drums too loud like there's a certain level of, of of crossover in terms of crazy between british pundits and american pundits or writers but like there are many times when the british pundits just go so fucking far out of bounds you're like how how does that person then go to work the next day and everything is normal that's the question that i always ask myself when i see giles Corrin stuff because some of it just goes so fucking insane and then it's, everyone treats like oh it's just giles just being giles <laughs> Come on, Nate. We've all had a couple too many bumps on a Wednesday night and said some things about someone's 12-year-old son that we regret. Wait, what did he say about the 12-year-old son? That he was going to uh, rape him and set him on fire. Because he was drumming. He was was drumming drumming too loudly. So he was like, oh, the only thing I can do is fuck him. He's actually (laughs) referencing the old Dane law, where that was the punishment for vigorous drumming. (laughs) It was either that or they had to pay a weir guild to your family. This is from his review of Q Grill and Cam. That's why I also love. It's food reviews. All of this madness is coming out in restaurant reviews. Here's a recipe for roasted 12-year-old child. <laughs> <laughs> from his review of Q Grill. Uh, everyone knows the easiest way to tell a racist is when they say, quote, I'm not racist, but... I've often considered trying the I am racist, but in both speech and prose. No, because I am racist and... <laughs> <laughs> It's the rules of racist improv. <laughs> I am racist and, and also kind of insane. <laughs> I'm racist, and I'm not afraid to say that the total ab- absence of Englishness from Camden Town today makes it feel to me as bogus, pointless, and wrong. He <laughs> is right that Camden Town is terrible, to be fair. That's like the one thing I'll go I'll bat for Giles Corrin on that. <laughs> Fine. He's right, but it's not terrible because there are like non-white people there. No. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it was always terrible. I mean, it is just like full of Italians as well. Who yes. <laughs> oh. spicy white? Yeah, counts. yeah. <laughs> spicy white, <laughs> um, garlic white, <laughs> and 
And thus, uh, it becomes a suitable place to take one's children for tea as there is nothing dangerous happening anymore. All the restaurants being bland chains selling children's food to 25-year-old foreigners in hipster costumes they got from Uniqlo, sipping much worse cappuccinos than they could get back home, baffled as to why Amy Winehouse isn't at the next table. Is employing I feel attacked. <laughs> foreigners don't know that Amy Winehouse is dead. That's the point. <laughs> Dang, these foreigners that don't even know their Amy Winehouse history. They want to come live in our country, live by our laws, and they don't even know what year Amy Winehouse died in. Exactly. And they don't even know who Blake Fielder Civil is. Okay. I feel like it's like a counterpoint, though, to his thesis that saying I am racist and will make it sound any better because yeah. it, it turns out it does not. <laughs> I, I like to I like to for, like hit, hit accusations of racism off of the past by wearing this white pointy hat. <laughs> <laughs> then the, the, I hate when people ask if I'm racist. I hate. But you know what it is? Is he hates when people ask if he's racist, not because of the accusations that, that he is that he is a racist, but because he doesn't like the, getting the questions. He wants to just. He's like, look, <laughs> I told you last week. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> cards on the table, guys, and all of the cards are just are just like guys in blackface. It's great. Um, so then he reviews the restaurant, uh, Q Grill in Camden, which I've been. I, I don't love it. It's not in Q. Um, and then he says, when you roll yourself out into the Camden sunshine, all four of you crusted in old beer, ketchup, and prawn skins, it doesn't matter what you look like. because <laughs> He, all he the always comes out of a restaurant looking homeless. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because all the passers-by judging your appearance and parenting skills are foreign, and it doesn't matter a damn what they think. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, lo- I love getting my children taken away from me by the court because, because I want to own- Because I'm covering them in prawn skins to own the Italians. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> I'm crying in the court, but, but judge, I am a prawn. <laughs> you gotta go see Prawn Liachi. <laughs> oh, wow. Very good. Right? So this is, he's just like, I am massive. I am a massive racist. I'm a huge piece of shit. And fuck you all for noticing it is basically the Giles Corrin summary. But if you can't handle me at my worst. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. He is, Giles Corrin is uh, a white lady, live, laugh, love, Marilyn Monroe quote person, just in the form of an insane food writer. Well-behaved food writers rarely make history. (laughs) 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 Wait, can I ask a really stupid question? Yes. How is he like as a food critic? He used to be, so he's actually been writing for like a huge amount of time now. I think since ninety three, oh, where like boy. he would have been like mm. mid twenties. My full life, and mm. he, he yes, mm. he used to write well. Um, I mean, like British food writing has always had this kind of problem that it's seen as this sort of subsection of British humor writing. Okay, yeah. which can be. Which can be fine, like if you're as good as A.A. A. Gill, and there were problems with A.A. A. Gill as well, but No, I if, can't remember any of those. <laughs> if you if you are good as good as him and you can do that digressionary style of writing and you can like just like nail an exquisite turn of phrase, then that's fine. But if you're Giles Corrin trying to do that, it just doesn't work. Um and I feel like his older reviews actually used to have some sort of writing off merit about food and now they've just sort of like devolved into this like sub a gill shtick that ultimately says like nothing about food at all um quite a bit about giles Giles (laughs) i feel like he's he's like using these columns now to like work through like his issues 
well, and using his, his these columns to work through these issues, which is clearly that at some point in like the mid 2000s, he, he ate a piece of beef that gave him a prion oh. disease. <laughs> We're in the middle of like an amazing, one of those like uplifting Oscar winning films about a food critic who's like having a breakdown and he's writing about food, but really he's writing about himself. <laughs> and like the latest one uh, starts off like it's like pretty much like half of the review it's about him getting emails from people who used to go to the same college as him in Oxford. <laughs> and one of them says that the warden um, told a student that upon the student saying they wanted to go into food journalism, saying don't become like that Giles Corrin, he's a discredit to the college. <laughs> it sparks this like existential yeah. crisis in his life. Like, like all the criticism of him before is just like washed off his back. But the warden of Keeble College, like, mm. has like suddenly like hit him like right in the heart, and he asked the guy to um, go to the warden and find out why the warden doesn't like him, and the guy just like refuses to do it, and he's like, "Can't you ask him yourself?" Look, I'm just saying, <laughs> talk to him a bit, you know, uh, persuade him to change his mind. <laughs> If you read in any of his articles, like the the first the first letter of every sentence is just help me. <laughs> <laughs> Giles Corrin has been held captive by Giles Corrin for several years now. Sending sending in Phil Leotardo to the warden's <laughs> office, like we told you before, you kick up to Giles Corrin and nobody else. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I just like little Carmine. <laughs> but no, to, to answer your question, I think if you want to read a review and actually find out something about the food and find out something that puts that food into context and find out why it works. I think probably the best critics are uh, Marina in the Times. And um, I thought it was you. <laughs> well, I'm talking about national food critics, <laughs> but Marina and Faye as well, and Faye Mashler and the Evening Standards. Um, and or you, or you can just read me and on yeah. Eater London. Mm. Um, it's also entirely about yourself, but it's much less racist. So, <laughs> <laughs> on balance, superior. <laughs> so, mo moving on a little bit, uh, Transport Secretary Chris Grayling uh, has found himself in a little bit of hot water, so to speak, recently. Very evergreen. He is Chris Grayling is constant. He, he's great. He's like the work experience minister who's just constantly fucking up, but then he's, they just don't get rid of. He's three kids in a trench coat. <laughs> Um, on Christmas Eve, uh, contracts have been published for emergency ferry services Nothing to get supplies. Stirring, not even a mouse. <laughs> Nothing, yes, indeed. <laughs> not even a single thought in Chris Grayling's brain. <laughs> Neither of Chris, Grain cells, Chris Grayling's brain cells were stirring. Yeah, they were asleep uh, waiting for Santa Claus. <laughs> I mean, like, this is the thing. Like, his, he, his job is to coordinate like food deliveries to the UK in the event of a no-deal Brexit. And I'm pretty sure Santa is one of his plans. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, don't worry, we can just use Deliveroo France. <laughs> Thanks, Liz Truss. So, uh, Christmas Eve, contracts were published for ferry services to get supplies to Britain in the event of a no-deal Brexit. And it emerged that one of the three companies contracted, Seaborne Freight, has never run a ferry service before and, in fact, owns no boats. <laughs> <laughs> British listeners will be well familiar with this, but uh, American listeners are in for a treat. Where we're going, we don't need boats. <laughs> Seaborne um, Freight turns out is just a Colin Farrell movie from 2003. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> look, we might not have any fucking boats, but that's not the point here, is it? <laughs> what he the loves in boats. You're going to come in here and talk to me about fucking boats when we're sitting here and there are people <laughs> trying to want us dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Seaborn not only doesn't have any boats, but has no contracts with any ports uh, and appears to just be a web page. <laughs> <laughs> They're just going to only make ferry trips during a storm, in which case the old rule applies. <laughs> Any port in a store? Anyway, I'm fine. <laughs> um, so- <laughs> Sorry for having read things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck you, nerd. <laughs> what, Baudrillard? <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Grayling told BBC Radio's Radio 4's Today program, Seaborn uh, is a new startup business and government is supporting a new British business and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> This podcast used to have a segment which was like new products. Guess what it does? And it it, it always was it does nothing. Yeah. And mm. this is literally Seaborn yeah. Frey. <laughs> it just does nothing. It's Wi-Fi connected. <laughs> Say what you will about Seaborn Frey. <laughs> they are Wi-Fi connected. They're online. Are they just one of the startups upstairs? <laughs> <laughs> Their Wi-Fi has been disconnected for non-payment. <laughs> I make no apologies for supporting a new British business. Uh, Grayling followed up. We've looked at this very carefully. Carefully, and we put in place tight contracts to make sure they can deliver us, deliver for us. As I it, love that he thinks that like a contract is going to change the fact that they don't own any boats. <laughs> that's the thing. It's um, it's and I did a little more research into this, and uh, the and it's it's a, a run by a guy called uh, Ben Sharp, um, who has a checkered business past. Um, who he's been managing director of several different companies, all of which failed immediately, and he owes millions to the HMRC. It's basically this looks like a guy who has made an entire career out of just fucking up enormously. Oh, he's Lionel Hutz. Yeah. He's Giles Corrin. That's <laughs> <laughs> another old Giles Corrin, another all is seaborne freight. That's yeah. the only thing that makes sense. And so this is just a guy. Who like has the Chris? I, th- I think Chris Grayling may have been suckered by a multi-level marketing scam. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we just have we. Don't, they don't have any ferries. What we're doing is selling a ferry system, <laughs> where then we sell ferry. We're not a team to own ferries. We just need to sell ferries to other countries, and then they kick up to us. We sign up our friends who have ferries. <laughs> <laughs> what is more ridiculous that this is this like very like high tech scam that's been pulled on the British government or that this is completely sincere and that the owner's just like frantically Googling out how to, how do I find a boat? Yeah. <laughs> He's like blowing up loads of lilos. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's like, that's actually probably is like one of Chris Grayling's other backup plans. One is Santa. The other is just to create a bridge across the channel with lilos. Yeah. Ironically, Giles Corrin probably could help here because I'm certain that at least one person in his family owns a boat. <laughs> um, uh, the, so the sharp goes on. Uh, the directors of Seaborn Freight are experienced business people with a long track record of, in industry. They have between them opened and, in some cases, closed a number of businesses. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, never open a business you can't close. Is, <laughs> Always no, be closing. No, no, these are these are all my losses was lessons. Like you have to fail forward, Instagram guys. The only problem is if they fail forward, we're all gonna starve. <laughs> <laughs> Some of their businesses made profits of up to a million pounds. It was actually a loss. <laughs> <laughs> he just invented, all, invested all of the money into swimming lessons. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting, we're making Britain fit again. <laughs> it's carbon neutral ferry company. It's just David Williams crossing the channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So with a, with a little, with a little volleyball with a face drawn on it. <laughs> It's D-Day all over again. Let's fucking do this. <laughs> Let's fucking go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's he's, he's bought all those fucking troop carrier boats with like the flap down end. 
This is what like all the Brexiteers are talking about when they're talking about Dunkirk spirit. That <laughs> just like our entire like food produce is going to be sent over on dinghies. By... Just, just being massacred by the Luftwaffe as a bunch of old men with badly equipped boats rescue some of us. <laughs> it's just, it's just the, this, this is like a very Giles Corrin style mindset though, where it's just like... Fuck, fuck you, I'm a big fuck up Everybody hates me, I've never done anything right Give me a million pounds <laughs> That's I stand by every word <laughs> Yeah I think also, it's like it's just so dumb when government invokes the Dunkirk spirit in the sense that like like the whole everything that's good about Dunkirk is nothing that's good about the government. It's like a massive fucking government error being bailed out by a bunch of blokes who fish. Like literally, that is like that is literally an example of the government completely fucking up and the British people coming to their own aid against the other. Like saying like, well, never mind, guys, because if we completely fuck this up, which we will, you'll just sort yourselves out. You've got a good track record and it's, it's like that's that's the this is something that i always think of anytime i see one of these like adam smith institute psychos uh talk about the power of free enterprise or whatever where it's like what they've got is they just now have the stupidest people in history who are managing more or less the wind down of the british state right where it's like we have matt hancock who's like you know parkours over a low bench that says you know respectability in politics or whatever um, and like he's trying to replace the NHS with apps. Chris Grayling is like is like contracting out sort of essential infrastructure projects to like a bunch of guys who clearly are like you know get Instagram business idiots who are like my favorite store is the bank. Um, and they just uh, bought a bunch of Facebook advertising and it totally worked on it. Yeah. No, like, I, 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 and like ne- next thing they're gonna do, like Gavin Williamson, like the Secretary of Defense, is gonna contract is and he's gonna replace the army with like Phase Clan. Like this, <laughs> they were buying Facebook advertising for a, a boat that's written on the side, like I'm gonna give a ferry contract to a company that owns no boats because it's a Chris Grayling thing. <laughs> and he's like, whoa, click. It's like, it's like, it's like it's like it's neoliberalism is not it's specifically not smart it's just about like jamming up like the public works as much as possible to transfer as much of like commonly held wealth into like the sort of big pudgiest like it manager from Luton piggy hands they can possibly like push it into right it's this is just sounded like you had a specific guy in mind (laughs) (laughs) it's like very vivid it turned turned erotic real quick (laughs) i I, I love to get piggy with my with my man's hands (laughs) an it manager from luton with his pudgy hands gripping your hair his dick rattles against your teeth (laughs) you know exactly what i'm talking about though right it's like there it's like these these guys who might have fancied themselves corporate raiders in the 80s who basically started a limited company got a website copied their terms and conditions from just eat which they literally did the terms and conditions of the website it says we make no assurances in the case that you place a food order and it, and it doesn't mm-hmm. come through properly. And make sure you've got your address written properly <laughs> yeah. to, co- to collect like what your supply of insulin and beans in the event that we completely fuck ourselves over. Corporate raiders of the lost ark. Look, we didn't promise that we owned an ark of the covenant. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were just trying to borrow against the potentially getting one. The whole thing is completely stupid, but it just it goes to show like. That capital's not even trying anymore. Well, it's like, insanely short-sighted, isn't it? Like, they literally, they can't even see in advance what's going to happen two days afterwards. Mm-hmm. They don't have a fucking ferry. And like, the, and the whole, th- the reason I think that the Tories are a fundamentally Instagram political party is that, is you look at like what, what Grayling was saying. He was like, I make no apologies for supporting a British business, and he's all, he is just like. 
and or like Sajid Javid referring to himself as the Sag. Um, it's all of these guys. Like it, it is government by um, uh, an, a, a, a Instagram story about how you like to read audiobooks at double speed on your jogs so that you can get more like brain knowledge. It's an Instagram story about like. It, it, it's it's government by a, a post uh, that's a picture of a garage that's like no excuses for success or whatever. Like that's what these people are. I murdered fifteen prostitutes using nothing more. Than, okay, we're cutting that bit. Uh, <laughs> right, but it's 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 like because I was saying earlier, right? Like we know that uh, American conservatives are fundamentally Facebook people. That's what we were talking about last episode. They're Facebook people who like want to talk about who are resentful of everyone who get into like pointless petty arguments who never let anything go and all this. And British conservatives are sort of so dopely optimistic that they just and they they are so riven with sort of with like a combination of like self-regard and complete faith that the future is going to be amazing so long as they can just stay in power that they are ba- they are Instagram people they are the political party of like some white lady going to India and saying that she was inspired by the locals who like were impressed by her iPhone I feel attacked <laughs> so in that story she like she lost her iPhone yeah. and she was like she was like, um, this is like more money than some of these people will make in their entire life. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what the Conservative Party in the <laughs> UK like, is. man, this is Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've got a, a, final, a final segment here, um, which is an article I found today uh, by Ed Hussein in The Telegraph. And it is, it's, it's a very, it's very special to me. Um, not because of anything it says in particular, but because I'm pretty sure it was written by an AI. Because genuinely, every paragraph seems completely unconnected to the others and like it could have been made by a Markov chain. Um, mm. So this guy, uh, Ed Hussein, was a senior fellow at the, um, for Middle Eastern Studies in the Council of Foreign Relations in New York, an advisor to the Tony Blair Faith Foundation, and he co-founded the um, Islamophobic Quilliam Foundation with Majid Nawaz. Uh, so you know this guy's good. Quilliam sounds like a white trash child name. Oh, yeah, no. Quilliam, Quilliam come here. Quill I am. Quill, Quill I am. Mm. It's, uh, it's, it's the, um, the member of the Black Eyed Peas who's also a medieval writing instrument. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was way more than that deserved. That deserved booze. Um, so what he, he has written an article for the Telegraph that I think is probably one of the most Telegraph articles ever written. Uh, Britain must rediscover its confidence and lead the world it is responsible for creating. Oh. Britain must slay, but not as it did previously. I love a self-help article before a yeah. country. <laughs> Britain needs Britain needs to do self-care. <laughs> Cut those toxic people out of your life, like the Irish government. <laughs> see, see, that's a fundamentally Instagram uh, point of view. Which is the, you, you're beautiful, cut all the toxic people out of your life. That's what they're doing. Look, if Leo Varadkar's going to keep talking Brynn down, I need that bitch in my life. Blocked. <laughs> <laughs> For centuries, he writes, Great Britain has guided the globe. Really, I'm not aware that they were responsible for gravity guided. and tectonic plates. <laughs> guided is an interesting word. <laughs> now the world needs us again. <laughs> What is this? This is like Batman, like coming out of retirement. Right. Like, oh. We need, we need the redcoats. The world's going crazy. Yeah. For over six years, the Wehrmacht guided the people of Western Europe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, honestly, four years ago, I was dating a German guy, and a man on the train came up to us and said, you, you are speaking English to each other. Your love is dependent on my language. You have to pay us a tax. What? I'm not kidding. What? what the tax? Yeah, I mean, the tax are language tax because our love wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the English language. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and that woman grew up to be Jalos Karn. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, all he could hear you saying was flabba dabba 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 <laughs> Um, <laughs> and so to him I said Takagaka Gukagooka <laughs> The self-flagellate So I reported myself For a hate crime And then I fell asleep While writing an article <laughs> Logged onto my alt That's just named After myself So The self-flagellation Over Brexit And begging for European acceptance Is unbecoming Of our great country Britishness is about Values Ideas History And an attitude Not skin color Because now he doesn't Want to fuck Britain <laughs> uh, no one wants someone who's insecure. <laughs> now, now this is like stuff you'd find written on an ill-advised Topshop collection of crop tops in like the mid two thousands. Like Britain is an attitude. Also, what, what does that? Also, what does that mean? Britishness is about values, ideas, history, and an attitude. That's nothing. You could say that about any country. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we're, we're about, we have values in history, unlike those damn Moroccans. Yeah, <laughs> no history. <laughs> no history. They just sprung forth from the earth. They're, they're autochthonous. thing people don't know about Moroccans is they can't remember anything. <laughs> oh, I have met Russians who genuinely believe that Russian Russians are autochthonous. <laughs> no. Yeah, because I was once explaining to like some guys in a Russian travel agency, curiously, travel agents, people you think would be familiar with the concept of travel, <laughs> who argued with me that, no, in fact, it's not possible that any people from like northern Greece and Macedonia moved north to the area surrounding Kiev and settled it, and a lot of those people eventually became what are now known as Russians, and that, in fact, it must have been Russians who moved south and settled ancient Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? It's so powerful Wait, of a viewpoint. are you saying that Russians didn't start the world? Whoa. I'm... We're going to have to take a break. <laughs> We're going to be back after these messages. I'll get a little technical difficulty sign. <laughs> just all go really drunk. Uh, <laughs> we apologize for the following untruths that are said <laughs> on this. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, and for, for context, I am Russian. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, yeah. Aside from Brexit, two other factors impede the assertion of British confidence around the world. <laughs> the assertion of British confidence. Sounds like a Niall Ferguson book. Yeah. The assert what what is the assertion of British confidence? Why is confidence so necessary? It's Do a pickup artist technique. Again, oh. it's more this this is just it's that's the thing. It's it's just believing in yourself. Just stop Britain, stop being a beta, be an alpha. <laughs> 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 yeah. They think the Bank of England needs to stop printing money and start printing like self-belief and affirmations. Well, as, as we all know, the, the Great Suez Crisis in 1956 when Britain just stopped believing in itself. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were nagging the Egyptians. We were like, yeah, nice canal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> nice canal, is it real? <laughs> first, <laughs> bit fat though. First, an abiding sense of imperial guilt gnaws away at our national conscience. Yes, Britain built an empire, but so did Turkey. Turkey has no mis misgivings about a single act of imperial conquest of the entire Middle East and Balkans. And national pride is very strong in that country. Oh, yeah, be Turkey. 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 A country which is famously good <laughs> and run by sane people and everyone likes them. But also, it's like... The, the logic behind this is, yeah, Turkey did a genocide of the Armenians. Why are people keep getting mad at us for doing it? 
I love a person who would like historically probably be racist against Turkish people, but then whenever they can like be take beyond their side if, if for argument's sake, they'll be like, "Fuck it, let's be more like Turks." <laughs> but they're still not allowed in this country. I'm not racist against the Turks. I have an ottoman in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> we, we ended slavery and obliterated Nazism. Wow. Nazis owned. We roasted the Nazis. Like we really want to keep trading on that for quite a while. And also, it was the Russians who did that mainly. 16 million people. What up? Or even 18. It was a shit ton of people. It, it was 30 million, I think. What? To- total Soviet deaths. Not Jesus. not just soldiers, but also like... But also alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not strictly related to the war, but... Yeah, it was a sad time. The casualties in the Soviet Union's ongoing battle with alcoholism. But I get also really upset when you like you started a thing and then you ended a thing and then you pat yourself back on the, uh, pat yourself on the back for ending a thing. Like, yeah. it makes me so upset. Like, oh, we ended slavery. You fucking started slavery. It's like when someone wants, it's like when someone kicks you in the nuts and then wants you to thank them for no longer <laughs> kicking you in the nuts. Like, I'm done yeah. kicking you in the nuts now, right? Be grateful. <laughs> My foot's no longer on your balls. Sla- slavery was just tough love. <laughs> Second, based on this narrative of historical grievances, an entire culture of competing victimhood is taking over university campuses in Britain. Where it's like <laughs> you're watching BBC Three, and this is competing victimhood. But this is and this is kind of where I, I uh, this is where I'm getting to. Right, like, we've talked about this over and over again. This is like standard Brendan O'Neill shit, where it's like we have to stop being embarrassed about the past. Um, we 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 fought Nazism. Universities are safe spaces. What really gets me about this is not any individual thing that he's saying, but like. He's he just st- put the first word into Siri and just let autocomplete finish the article for him. It's magnificent. It's just like every sort of like half-assed tweet on like any of those subjects that you see like on any given day by like any random bozo on Twitter, and it's just like strung into an article. Yeah, and it's like the the whole the whole thing is it just it's striking how low effort it is at this point. They're not even. It's not only are they not even saying anything new, they're just saying. We need to believe in ourselves. We need this. The problem is we need to believe in ourselves. All of these people's brains were poisoned by inspirational sports movies. After Brexit, we should consider as a punishment for people who talk Britain down, having them pulled into four pieces by horses. Genghis Khan did it. If it's good enough for him. (laughs) Yeah, but also like the... Okay, I'm about to maybe spew bullshit, so get ready for it. Uh, but I'm like, not sure we'd notice. The weird, the, the weird hierarchy of what pride is okay and pride isn't. It's okay, like, you saw a sports movie and you're like, British pride is fine, but, like, LGBT pride isn't. Like, where where is your hierarchy of pride? Oh, his hierarchy of pride is... Uh, Anything, anything that I want is familiar to me is, is, is good. Any limit on my behavior or even a mild criticism of something I like is Stalinism. Neutral pride, lions. <laughs> Everyone likes lions. <laughs> That's true. I can't fault it. Yeah. Um, and then, but the, the other amazing thing these people do that I love is because they all worship STEM. Um, they all think that like counting is the best thing, is the highest uh, human achievement. And he actually then puts in a chart of university freedom uh, where it lists all of the universities in the UK ranked by freedom. It forms the shape of a bald eagle. (laughs) (laughs) And it was collated by Spiked and put in the Telegraph. So again, you know, it's good. It's all just merging together. And it's like, it's like someone just took a giant shit in a Play-Doh machine and just punched out a star shape from it. That is so fucking specific. I thought you said a Play-Doh machine. (laughs) Play-Doh, okay, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> like the, the platonic form of a shit article. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's the, that sort of is what this is. It's like all other shit articles just sort of participate in this. So, like something else is going on here. Like yeah. the, this, cl- the, this clearly isn't an article. <laughs> this is some, maybe it's like some magic words. Maybe it's a summoning sequence for Cthulhu. I'm not entirely sure. But this chart is incredible. The category- Where does he get to the restaurant review? <laughs> <laughs> the categories on the chart where you can be like marked up or down for being more or less free is uh, you get marks down for having rules about fancy dress you get marks down for having rules around bullying and harassment and you get marked down for having a workshop on sexual consent thanks spiked awesome does having a theme count as rules about fancy dress that's what I was, yeah that's what i was thinking is it just like you can't like dress up as a native indian or yeah, is like it that. like you you have an 80s theme and <laughs> it's, it's, it's unfree. Like Ed Hussein dressed up as a 70s guy. Like, yeah. Can you hand me my cord uh-huh. my backpack? I was trying to explain to them that the Bee Gees career did technically extend into the 80s, but no one would listen to me. Partly because my voice was unbearably high. I was committed. How does having a sexual consent workshop make you less free? How? I don't understand. Because time is money, baby. <laughs> Thank you, Instagram Tori. My I'll love. go to a sexual consent workshop, but you better be paying me. <laughs> I could be doing business right now. I could be at the bank. I could be making a chart about universities in the UK. Yeah, I could be roasting a child to death right now. <laughs> Mr. Corin. Um, what university ranked the highest? Uh, hang on. University I will... of Phoenix. <laughs> university yeah. of Phoenix Online. Uh, well, it gives you a red, amber, green status. Hit me out with some green ones. Okay. Uh, the freest universities. Oh, there are no free universities. The best are Amber, uh, Aberte, Aberystwyth, Anglia Aberte. Ruskin, Bangor, Birkbeck, Birmingham, Birmingham City, Bournemouth, Bristol, Brunel, Cardiff Metropolitan, Dundee, Durham, Edgehill, Edinburgh, and Napier, but not Edinburgh. This sounds like Coca-Cola League One. <laughs> Birmingham City one, Edinburgh Napier nil. <laughs> the least free are York, St John, Westminster, UW, UWL, Warwick, UWE, Bath, UCL. Um. Too long of people lived Oxford. under the jackboot oh, of York St. John University. <laughs> Cam- Cambridge is apparently freer than Oxford by a quite considerable amount. Casilo's <laughs> <laughs> gone. What's up? <laughs> Damn. Damn. Um, I can't, can't believe you do me like this, Times. Um, <laughs> rather, so back to, back to Ed Hussein's weird summoning sequence. Um... Rather than feeling British, we've begun to hobble separately as new tribes of gay... Define feeling British. It's like feeling yourself, but also doing slavery. (laughs) (laughs) It's when you feel yourself so much, you just just conquer most of the world and brutally exploit it. It's because you have a level of self-confidence that could be seen as a world historical crime. Yeah, well, the thing is that, like, Britain's never apologized for the slave trade, but more importantly than that, we've never apologized for creating Australia. Look, I'm not going to apologize for being successful, okay? Work hard, play hard. It's it's nationalist live, laugh, love, basically. Um, Yeah, but feeling British, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, And he says, we hobble separately as new tribes of gay, Muslim, trans, female, black, with the white middle class male as an eternal enemy in some imagined war. Every single line of this could basically be a headline from an article that has appeared in The Spectator. Think about it. I mean, shortened, so it's headline speak, but the why not Britain line, or rather than feeling British, we've begun to uh, hobble separately as new tribes of gay, Muslim, transsexual, female, or black with the white middle class enemies and eternal, uh, white middle class males and eternal enemy in some imagined war. All of this sounds like, I mean, to to step out of 
semi-comedy mode and go into some more serious. All of this sounds like like a compendium of things people have complained about in columns in British right-wing media, but none of you know the, the the cycle that always plays itself out. That a thing happens, someone misrepresents the thing, a lazier journalist misrepresents that misrepresentation into a thing that then becomes a rage article in the Daily Mail that causes people to like send racist tweets and Facebook messages to people involved. This happens over and over again, and this this seems like the more genteel version of this, like. There's no imagined war where white men are the are the enemy. It's just that white men have been getting called out for like making an effigy of Grenfell and setting it on fire, for example. And that's somehow proof that we're not feeling British enough. Mm-hmm. It's like it, to me, this just reads like I think going back to the boilerplate argument that it, this is just you can say this gibberish in 600 to 800 words and one of these fucking publications will publish you because this is just the thing that needs to be fed into the veins of the sort of Brexit and Brexit adjacent people in this country. Like this is what they believe and this is what they need to have fed to them. And so when I read this article, like I just, I do see a certain coherence, but the coherence is, I mean, I love this paragraph in India, the rule of law as in the United States is derived from English common law and the Magna Carta's principles. So therefore colonization is okay. Because India was just mad, Max. Yeah. Before the British showed up, <laughs> it like, was just anarchy. Everything, everything about this, if you read between the lines, is is, is just it's it's like a like a soothing balm placed on the consciences of a bunch of racist old dudes who are mad that like black people exist. Oh yeah, it's this is this is basically an article designed to like sort of stoke the. To, so I think I think it's 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 just there to make life a little bit easier for guys whose veins are permanently bulging out of the sides of their heads. Because one, because someone said that it was okay that uh, Ireland was independent. Honestly, did you guys know that um, it's actually British people who brought blowjobs to the U.S.? They wouldn't have blowjobs um, if it weren't for England. Wait, what? I'm just making shit up, you know. That's yeah. me. I'm Olga. I'm just. I'm just. Yeah. I'm thirty, flirty, I mean, and thriving. Well, I mean, it was hey, the <laughs> Spanish who brought them over Thanking people for arbitrary things. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we could just take credit for anything. Yeah, I mean, that's what they do. I, that's the great, amazing thing, right? Where it says in in India, the rule of law came from the Magna Carta. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. so did blowjobs. <laughs> yeah, the Magna. It's the lost Magna Carta, the mouth mm-hmm. Carta. <laughs> 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 penthouse penthouse letters to Magna Carta. And I mean, there's our Kama Sutra also. And the member shall rattle off thine teeth. <laughs> it is the language of Chaucer and Shakespeare that is now the only language of power and technology. Uh, it was ch- why, no, wait, wait, it's wait, JavaScript! Wait, wait, wait. It's JavaScript! Why Sorry. do they always do that? It's, like, it's always Shakespeare and Chaucer. It's never like Giles yeah. Corrin and, yeah. and Jimmy Savile. It's, it's also the language of those guys. <laughs> the C in C++ stands for Chaucer. <laughs> <laughs> That's like it's, they always say, "Oh yeah, we have Shakespeare and Chaucer." They never say we have we have like these other fucking like monsters. And it's like they they, they think that well, they, they just ignore all that bad shit, and they're like, "Well, maybe the world is more complicated than that." England's not uncomplicatedly good, you idiots. Um, what I like is this. Not it, like Turkey. It was John. Lo- it was John Locke's influence on the American uh, founding fathers that led to the Declaration of Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. This is guy. This guy's like gone to one civics class. Also, like you're just talking about America as though America is this country that's like unironically good that no one has any problems with. Like, oh well, if only we could be like America, where everything's completely fine. By the way, lads, <laughs> it's like and this is happiness the, never occurred to anyone before John Locke. <laughs> it's just no one. It's like yeah, it's it's one of these things where it's it's like he's doing the Steven Pinker thing where he's thought so hard he becomes a dumbass. I thought so hard and came so far. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. You really should have stuck to the first two lines. But you're right. Uh, it is like 
unconsciously making the case for colonialism and like that this was a thing that actually brought some good to places and it's like in the food world there's this like weird debate going on about like cultural appropriation where in america it's like everyone knows that it's a thing and everyone knows how it's defined and there's this really weird thing that happens in the uk where no one actually knows like the definition of cultural appropriation so like everyone's like any even like the most like the more centrist food writers not just like someone like charles corran it's like well maybe um like vietnamese food is like this amazing culture clash of vietnamese like people and french people and like let's so you get like ban me with baguettes and like if like cultural appropriation is a thing then this food wouldn't exist and this is what's great about food whereas actually like the baguette was forced upon vietnam by the french like this is not this is not like this happy collision of cultures that that. I, love, I love how British colonialism is like concentration camps and French colonialism is like, you will eat this funny bread. I don't care if you think it looks like a penis. I will watch you eat it. huh? Yeah. But it's also this thing where it's like, it's the colonial, the colonial powers would be like, yeah, if we didn't brutally exploit the Vietnamese, they never would have had baguettes. Like it's they, they, we, they never could have gotten them later. Or India was just a lawless anarchy until we told them about the Magna Carta. Or like, you know, a <laughs> no one in India had a Greg's steak bake. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or like John Locke invented like being rational or whatever. It's this whole, it's the whole Steven Pinker thing and all the over again. Pop, lock and drop it. British people love that shit though. Like when they go to India and then they see these like remnants of British colonialism or like little fragments of... Sort of British culture in mm. everyday life is pe- people love that, and some Indians love it as well. Like it's um, you get this kind of, of uncomfortable thing with some sort of more high end Indian restaurants in the UK where they basically have this like colonial theme. Yeah, and like, Dishoom is like well, that. Mary. I mean, Dishoom has it, but I'm. Like I, it's good for. I don't I mean, mind giving the Shuma pass on it. Um, it's sort of like kind of their story to tell. That okay. they're, they're Indians, um, and they they do have. I think the King's Cost Brands actually, actually has like an anti-colonial theme. I think they probably oh, okay. like realized about like the third restaurant. Oh, we should put some like anti-colonial stuff in this one. <laughs> okay. Um, but th- there are some others as well where they're sort of playing up to sort of the British like of this sort of like. Mm-hmm. the raj era and then but there's also this indian nostalgia for it as well mm-hmm. um so it's not just um yeah it's not just yeah. the british are nostalgic for that kind of thing well and i think that's one of the things that like these people who write articles like this don't understand is like people aren't saying that like it's uniformly a hundred percent bad like nothing good happened at all they're just saying that it's so overly bad it like in whole that like it's you could no point defending it because like well it would have been better if you hadn't murdered all those on people on the plus baguettes yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like thank god for the baguettes well, like, like, anytime someone does say yes but we brought them railways in the magna carta it's like you're you're yeah you're, you're clearly looking at such an unbalanced assessment like you're not playing devil's advocate at that point you're basically just you're you're just sort of trying to think your way into being okay with the fact that we are the baddies Hitler basically. the highway guy yeah, <laughs> yeah we're like Bill Nye the science guy but a very right wing version <laughs> so he concludes confidence in our history and values invites migrants to integrate and become British yeah don't don't say anything of how you are become British anglicize yourself 
together we can defeat the forces of darkness on the rise around the world. Mm. <laughs> but without a confident Shit, Britain, Voldemort's back, man. rooted in history and philosophy, we cannot lead. Patriotism, pride in our past and future should be the clarion call of 2019 and beyond. How can you have pride in your future? <laughs> Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna get so much shit done in ten years time. I'm oh, no. proud already. We're leaving shame for the empire in 2018. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pride in your no pride in your future. That's another Instagram thing where you talk about all the amazing businesses you're going to start. Shame is toxic. Don't look back. And how everyone's going to be like going to be sorry they were mean to you, right? This is just it's it, this is just like someone who's done a bunch of cocaine talking about how they're gonna like get really rich by doing the next small plates restaurant. Yeah. Yep. No, no, well, no, I'm glad you resolved that. I'm glad you resolved that article. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, very nice. Uh, so I think uh, we've been recording for quite a while now. I think it's time mm. to go back to our daily lives. Yeah. Shall, shall we do that, uh, fellas? Yeah, it sounds great. Fantastic. Uh, so all that leaves for me to do is uh, to thank Jonathan for coming on. Thank, thank you very much. Me. It's been a pleasure. Um, to thank you for listening. Uh, to remind you that we have a Patreon, you can subscribe for $5 a month for the additional second podcast episode, and that uh, you can commodify your descent with a t-shirt from Lil Comrade. Maybe your fav- get your favorite line from Giles Corrin's books and have Edie Screen print that. That'd be pretty cool. Um, Just like t-shirt from Flubber Dubber Dubber. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, Finally, our theme music is provided by Ginseng. It's called Here We Go. You can find it on Spotify. It's extremely good. Milo, uh, any comedy dates? Uh, yeah. Uh, 16th of January, uh, which is a Wednesday, uh, smoke comedy at the Seckford where the headliner is Ahir Shah. It's going to be a fun show. Ooh, yeah. Indeed. Also TBD, but 31st of January, which I think is a Thursday, also at the Seckford. I'm going to be doing a preview of my Edinburgh show with support from Yevgeny Chebakov, who is like a famous Russian comedian. It is going to be in English. Ooh. Yeah. Fun times. Oh. And on the 21st, we, of February. February, the 21st of February, we are doing a live show with comedian Josie Long at the Star of Kings in King's Cross. So you should come to that. Eventbrite yeah. tickets will be available possibly in the description of this episode. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. And also the only reason we don't thank Olga for coming on is that technically Olga's on every episode. She just sometimes chooses not to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, can I also plug something? Plug, plug away. Hi, my Edinburgh Award nominated show is coming to Soho Theatre January 14th to January 19th. Please come and see it. And I'm off to go pay a tax for speaking English. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) This is opposed to Olga's other show, which you should not see. (laughs) Only see the award nominated one. (laughs) I agree with that. Thank you.